You're listening to the Team Strikes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Here's your host, Logan Bunn. Hey guys, welcome back to another Team Stripes podcast. We're actually doing the, our first ever video. First guest too, Kelly Cook, uh, one of the four female officials to work NHL hockey over the past couple weeks. So let's watch this one. No worries. So you started refereeing at 12. What got you into that? Yeah, my older brother actually started refereeing, so I kind of followed him into, into hockey. Uh, he's two years older than me, so I wanted to do everything he was doing. Uh, and then he started refereeing when he was 12, so I kind of faded until I was old enough and then started doing it with him as well. So you kind of followed in your brother's footsteps. Did you guys, like, ever referee together? Uh, yeah, we did. Um, we didn't for a long time after we both started, but we actually just started doing college games out here. So we have a few together this season. It should be, it should be fun. Okay, yeah. So um, you also played You also played at a really high level, too, from, from what I've kind of searched up. Like, do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I went to boarding school, um, mostly for hockey, just to, just to have the best hockey, you know, and education experience. Um, I knew that I wanted to play Division One hockey, ended up going to Princeton, uh, and then playing for three years after that. So, you know, I just, I loved hockey. I wanted to play as long as I could and just keep going. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to go in Boston where there's just so much hockey um, everywhere you turn, and just lucky enough that they had professional teams uh, back here. So when I moved home after graduating, uh, I could just, you know, stay at home and work full time and also play. So it's kind of, you know, the, the perfect setup for me. Uh, when you played, you, you played a lot of games, but you didn't score many goals or assists. You're kind of, <laughs> kind of the grinder, eh? Yeah, more of a, a penalty killer playmaker. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, a different game when you get to college and you kind of have to adjust and, you know, everyone has a role and, you know, I never liked to be the goal scorer. I was kind of, you know, the, the person who worked hard and would rather have other people score. So, you know, I'd rather kill penalties than score goals. And I think it's kind of true to my personality. And, you know, I, I still enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows on the ice that you're a hard worker with, with the grinder. And, and it obviously shows in, in your life because you took paralegal, right? You're in the paralegal business. And you played all the time, and you refereed, so you have a really busy life yeah. growing up. So, you yeah. want to talk talk a little bit about your time in Princeton, refereeing, managing your schedule? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know one of the biggest things you learn as a team athlete at any level is time management. Obviously, uh, even you know in high school, you have to figure out how to be be well in the classroom as well as uh, on ice. So, you know, especially at school like Princeton. Yeah, it's a really tough school, but, you know, you're, you're a hockey player primarily, and the coach, you know, doesn't cut us any slack for, for class or anything, so you kind of, you know, you're thrown into the fire, and you got to figure out how to balance everything uh, when you're on the road and everything, so I think that it kind of, you know, sets you up perfectly for, for life after college, and, you know, um, you know, you get, you don't know what to do if you have time on your hands. I felt like so working full time. Uh, I just graduated from law school actually, so uh, I was in law school wrestling. Uh, it was kind of you know the perfect the perfect balance for me to kind of stay clean, be in school, but also do something that I loved. It you know it takes me to different different realms. 
Now you say you talked a little bit about after university, you played played hockey. How do you balance your schedule like with that? Because you're on the road a lot. You're traveling with with when you're playing with the Boston Blades and the Boston Pride. Like, did you still referee at all, or do you take a little bit of time off of that? Yeah, I mean that was definitely probably the toughest. Was you know the first two years or so, I was you know all into to playing, and then I kind of saw the light and realized that I really loved wrestling. So I kind of, you know, try to prioritize that more. But, you know, playing in the CWHL, we would take a bus up to Toronto and that's uh, 12 hours or whatever it is on a bus making stops. So you, you play Saturday, Sunday, and you get home at, you know, four in the morning on Monday morning and then you have to go to work. So it wasn't, you know, the best situation for, for sleeping or anything like that. But, you know, we did it because we loved it. And, um, you know, I just tried to rest as much as possible. And then, you know, my first year in the NWHL, I kind of knew that that was going to be my last year playing hockey. Um, so I, I did a lot more wrestling that year and, you know, kind of tried to make my way in that area. But also, uh, the schedule was a lot more manageable just because the teams are closer. And, you know, we went to get home at 4 a.m. and have to get off the bus and go to work. So it was a, a little nicer with the travel schedule on that week. Yeah, big grind. Big yeah, grind. exactly. How how did work? You said you work. You'd get home at four in the morning. You'd have to go to work. How did work deal with that? Uh, I mean, they're supportive. Uh, it's crazy. You know, you leave the hockey world, but you never really leave it. Uh, every you know employer that I've ever had is somehow connected to hockey in some way. So uh, I found that that's a big conversation point on the resume, and you know, I feel like that's how I've gotten all my jobs so far. So. You that and also you know that's the environment you want to be in. It's an employer that understands you have other things that you do and you know wants you to be successful in those areas. So they were they were very flexible, luckily. But I know not everyone has that. No, and I mean you've you know you didn't wake up with the with the commitment because there has to be a big level of commitment when you start refereeing, playing. Like, did you just were you raised like that? Like, how did how did you grow that commitment? Yeah. Level of dedication. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question just because I don't know, are you born with that? But, uh, you know, I always was taught by like my parents to, to work hard and you can, you know, do anything you want to do. And, you know, I had very specific goals of where I wanted to go to school and I wanted to play hockey. So I think that I've always been, you know, very driven. And if I know that I want to do something, I kind of set my mind to it. Um, but obviously it's, it takes a lot of hard work and sacrifice. So it's uh, sometimes it's tougher than than other times, but uh, it's definitely been worth it. I've found. Yeah, I mean, now that now that you're done playing, you're still refereeing, mm-hmm. and you picked up the director of player safety in in your old league. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> uh, it was. I mean, it kind of happened organically. Um, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm a referee, so you know, being a the head of a discipline committee kind of fits right in. Um, they they needed someone to be the head of the committee and, you know, reached out and asked me. And obviously I wanted to stay involved with the league that I had started playing in. So I was happy to, to do it. And, you know, I like doing it. I have a really good group of people on my committee that are dedicated and are very interested in working with the league. So uh, it's been a pretty easy job for me, actually, which is nice. So... Just recently, you came back from Nashville because you're actually one of the four female officials to work NHL hockey. Like, talk about that experience because I think that's that's groundbreaking experience, honestly. Yeah, I mean, everyone's been asking. I 
said, it was like the best five days of my life. Um, I mean, obviously, I went to the NHL Combine out in Buffalo in August. Um, and, you know, a group of us applied just wanting to kind of go out there and show them that there are strong female officials um, in, in the country. And, you know, we didn't have any expectations. And, you know, getting an invitation to go out to Nashville, I, I was very hesitant at first just because, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into. But um, obviously very excited as well. So, I mean, it was... It was my first time working men's hockey, and yeah. it was definitely, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, you know, um, getting to work with those refs. I worked with a guy who was in the American League because he was six year, and, you know, just being able to work with someone like that who has been around and, you know, knows how to conduct himself on and off the ice is kind of, for me, as, you know, an up-and-coming official, I want to be able to fix his brain, so... You know, aside from being on the ice with those guys and, you know, realizing how, how fast the hockey is, I, I really, I really liked working with, you know, the group of guys I was with who kind of, you know, taught me things and I could also teach them things. So it was, it was a great experience. How do the players and coaches take that? Cause I mean, the first <laughs> time ever having a female on the ice, I mean, you don't expect it really. Yeah. Honestly, I think they're probably shocked. Probably did a double take at first. Um, you know, they, they treated me just like they did the, my partners, which is nice. You know, they tell you when they're unhappy or when they're happy or whatever it is. So if they're, you know, swearing at you, you know, you're, you're doing something right because they're treating you the same as, as your partner. So, um, yeah, I mean, they were all really respectful in general of all of us, which is nice. Uh, I had, you know, DMs of the predators and the capitals come up to me and say, you know, introduce themselves and kind of say how impressed they were to see a female on the ice, which is really neat. Um, and just, you know, they were, they were all just so respectful and kind of said, oh, we never, I've been around for 25 years. I've never seen a woman on the ice before. And I was like, well, I haven't either. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, um, they were, they were very welcoming and, and awesome, to be honest. Good, good. Were there any times where the player was unhappy and he's kind of screaming at you? Did you scream back at him? Did you give him shit or anything like that? Uh, um, no, that's not really my personality when I'm roughing in general. Um, you know, I don't think that my partners do either. They kind of, you know, we try and make the situation less heated. But when you're looking up and a guy's like six nine, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, go through the five days. How many games did you end up working? Uh, we had three games. So we had eight, eight uh, referees out there and uh, kind of mixed up the crews every game, but we had uh, three games. I mean, like, that's that's pretty cool. And I even, I was reading a little article that was written up by you that was posting a kind of a couple couple groups that I'm in on Facebook. And Gary Bettman even made the comment that eventually women will be in the NHL. Like, do you see yourself maybe, like, being a part of that kind of group going into the NHL as a woman? Or do you think that's five, ten years down the road? Um, I mean, I don't think, personally, it, I'll be the one. Um, you know, obviously, we kind of as a group, the four of us that went out to camp, are just kind of take it day by day. You know, we never thought we would even go to a camp like that. So, um, obviously, embracing the opportunities that come our way, but... Uh, I do think that they're, you know, looking for the right person, and I think that the right person is going to be out there to break the barrier. Um, there's definitely women that can do the job or that are up-and-coming, you know, former players especially that 
I think they're going to fit right in there. So um, it's it's good to hear that they're they're looking for you know the best officials and not just the best male officials. I I think it's pretty cool. Do you, do you, is there a timeline? Do you think? Do you think it happens next year or the next ten years? Like, where do you think this happens, or is it just when the right person comes along and it just happens? I don't know. I mean, I think that they honestly didn't know what to expect when they sent the four of us out to these camps. I know my supervisor didn't. Um, he had never, I don't think, seen a female officiate before. So uh, I think that we kind of tested the waters for them and, you know, hopefully did a good job to kind of open their eyes to say, like, women can do, you know, this level of hockey. So, I mean, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. You know, are they ready? Is the league ready? Do they have the right woman that can do it and um, I mean I think at some point in the near future I think it will happen so you have a lot of working in the NHL is a pretty cool accomplishment but you you obviously have lots of other accomplishments you've worked worked uh, you were part of the first female crew to work NCAA Frozen 4 for female hockey you've worked internationally do you want to talk a little bit about some of that too yeah I mean I've been lucky enough to have a lot of opportunities um Obviously, you know, I've had people mentoring me who have come before me that have kind of opened the door, um, and I've been around to, to see that, which is nice. Um, I started dropping internationally, got my license, I think, when I graduated from college, so kind of didn't really get into that mix until I was done playing, so a little bit later than some people, but um, to be able to go to other countries and, you know, work hockey with guests from Australia and Norway and basically all over the world and kind of build those relationships with them. I think one of my favorite parts, um, you know, like you stay in touch with these people and you see them again at tournaments or they reach out. A lot, a lot of people reach out about this, uh, the NHL camp and just say congrats. So kind of funny to see how you have friends all over the world just been repping. Um, so yeah, that's been great, obviously. And, you know, still trying to work my way up in the IHF world, but, uh, for NCAA, we were, lucky enough to, to be the first all-female crew last year to work uh, at the Frozen Four in general. And we actually worked the national championship team, which is, I think, probably one of my favorite experiences of the ref. Um, the last time any female was part of the crew had been nine years before that. So, wow. kind of, yeah, us four come in, coming in hot, you know, and, and work the national championship team, I think kind of opened a lot of eyes. And, um, you know, it's something that, our signer had been kind of pushing for for years and he finally found, you know, the right crew and the right combination um, of women. So we had obviously a great year and we, we get along really well. So it was kind of even more special to be able to share that moment with um, the other women that I worked with. Yeah, exactly. So I know you're in Romania for, for some international hockey. How cool is it to travel to Europe and go officiate in a completely different country? <laughs> It's definitely eye-opening. Uh, I've been to some interesting places. I was in Kazakhstan for three weeks for my first tournament. Um, I'd never heard of the country before I was <laughs> there. So uh, I've been to some places that I never would have gone, obviously, without hockey. Um, but it's fun because, you know, nobody, not, nobody in your crew has probably ever been to the place that you're going. So you kind of get to explore it, you know, as a group and kind of bond over it and, you know, find things to do and, and be forest while you're on your days off. So, I mean, it's, it's traveling and doing what you love at the same time, so you can't, you can't really ask for more than that. And you also had your stop in Mexico, too, and, I mean, it's pretty cool to say that you can travel the world as, as officiated in a, 
And I even on my standpoint, I've traveled a little bit with hockey. Definitely not as far as you, but <laughs> when you're, you're when we're growing up refereeing, we never yeah. think about that stuff. And and kind right. of looking back, it's pretty cool how how some that started at twelve is is still stuck with them. They're still refereeing. So mm-hmm. I think I think that stuff. I wish people knew about it more because there's a lot of referees that don't referee now, and they don't realize that they can travel and the things that hockey can bring. Yeah, exactly. Um, now. Let's kind of go change the gear a little bit, kind of, because I think this is a really cool story that that you're involved in. Mm-hmm. When you played with the Boston Pride, where uh, you were able to play in the first ever women's winter classic, right? Yep. And and I guess I'll let you tell the story because this is a this is a close story to you, uh, Deanna, your close friend. Mm-hmm. Kind of that injury. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit, or? Yeah. So we, obviously, the end of, the NHL was putting on the winter classic at Gillette, so they, it was the Bruins against the Canadians, so they wanted to have the first ever women's uh, winter classic, and it was also the first kind of inter game between the CWHL and the NWHL, which both existed at the time, so they sent down the Canadian team, um, and we obviously, you know, were excited to be part of it, just because, you know, Jen and I both grew up in the Boston area, so having a chance to play outdoors and at Gillette was kind of, you know, a dream come through. So everyone was excited about it. Um, we had, we even had the NHL rest with us, which I personally thought was the coolest part. Uh, yeah. Macaulay was out there with us. So I was kind of starstruck by that. But, um, yeah, so I mean, in the first period, she was taking the puck down and went into the board wrong, uh, and ended up being paralyzed. So that was kind of, Obviously, the big story that came out of it, but, um, you know, she was the first one to say that she would not trade that for the world. And, you know, obviously, the experience of being there meant so much to her and so much to the hockey world and women's hockey that uh, she said, one of the first things she said was that she wouldn't take it back, um, which I thought was, was really memorable. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was... Our team hadn't really been doing that well before Dennis injury. I think we were probably 500. Uh, and we went on, I think, to win every single game after that, including the, the Isabel Cup. So we won the first Isabel Cup ever for the NWHL. Um, and took the trophy literally from New York, where the finals was on the bus, and drove right to the Spalding where she was and brought it to her. So uh, obviously she was a huge part of that run. And, you know, um, we not only bonded over it, but kind of, you know, helped each other through that time. So I think that it was kind of, obviously everybody knows that she was the backbone of, of that season and, uh, you know, for that season before and after it. I mean, like, when I first saw that, I kind of looked more into it and, and that whole story is an absolute inspiration. Like, the fact that you guys fought so hard, like you guys, like you guys weren't doing well, like you said, and then you guys fight for the championship. Like, that's, that's inspirational to me at least. Like, yeah. and, and the fact that even after when she was starting to try to like get back into walking and, and then, um, Carpenter, former NHL player kind of came in and, and yeah. you guys did the Boston marathon together. Like, I think that's, that's really cool, honestly. Like, and you want know, to talk a little bit more with the whole Boston marathon, moving it forward kind of. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, she, uh, she actually, Bobby Carpenter, um, is from Boston area and he, um, kind of got connected, has known the Lang family forever, was gonna run the Boston Marathon, 
um, and decided that he was going to deal with her. So he actually ended up pushing her uh, in the Boston Marathon, which I don't know how he did it, but um, he did, and she loved she loved it so much. So you know, my friend Haley Moore, who's the deputy commissioner of NWHL, and I kind of decided that we wanted to run the, the marathon and raise money for Denna. So. Um, we couldn't do it for her foundation specifically, but, um, there's a, a place that she still goes called Journey Forward that's, um, it's not affiliated with hospital. It's basically just, you know, kind of gives people a different way to rehab from injuries like that. So, um, you know, I've been there with her and seen her interact with these trainers and she loved it there. So, uh, I kind of thought what better, what better fun to raise money for than Journey Forward, um, so yeah, I ended up just, you know, raising, I think we raised over $30,000 between the two of us for Journey Forward. Um, and ran the Boston Marathon two years ago for, for Denna. So she was out there obviously cheering us on in the pouring rain. Um, but I know that, you know, it meant a lot to her and I don't, I don't think I would have been able to do it if it was, if it was for a different reason or if I didn't have her as my support system for that experience. Yeah, you didn't you? You guys play in Princeton, right? Like you guys kind of go way, way back to when you guys were in university together. So, yeah, yeah, I actually played with her since I was eleven years old, uh, and then we were roommates in high school at boarding school, and then played at Princeton together. So we basically been on the same team for oh god, like I don't even know, fifteen years or so. Um, so yeah, she's one of my best friends. So good feel to do that. So. um Looking back to everything you've done so far, is there any couple names that you can look back that, that have definitely helped you through this process? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Katie Gay, who is Alan and I, I'm at the prospect tournament, uh, who's been my mentor. She actually coached me in high school, so I've known her forever. Um, she's been, you know, kind of my rock through everything. Uh, she could be on this last year, so she's kind of, you know, done with her international career, but very much so still doing college and everything. Um, she's, she's someone who has opened doors for a lot of us and is always looking for ways to give back and, you know, help females or help anyone that she can. So kind of just, you know, having her by my side, we, we worked a national championship together and kind of worked paired together all of last season. So we spent a lot of, a lot of time together on the road and everything. Um, and just, you know, She's so humble, um, and having her and being able to pick her brain and see how she acts on the ice and reacts to stuff, um, I've just learned so much from her, and uh, I just hope to kind of follow in her footsteps and start, you know, getting back as much as she has and kind of, you know, seeing where, where it takes me. What's, what's been your coolest thing that you've ever done? Even, like, playing, refereeing, anything, really, that you can look back on? I think... Uh, probably working in the national championship. I mean, being out there, I was never there as a player and kind of, you know, taking that moment during the national anthem to look around and realize, like, this is the biggest game that these girls have ever played in. This is the biggest game that I'll have ever associated in. It's kind of, uh, a pretty cool moment. Um, so I'd say that. And just being, being able to do that with, you know, three of my favorite referees was, was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> no, that's fair. Honestly, I think I think that is a dream come true, and and most people don't get experience like you just said. You never played in it, but but now you're standing in a pretty much a sold out crowd, right. looking around, looking at the crowd, going, "Wow, I'm actually here." 
So, I mean, like, but there's a lot of grind behind the season. Like, how many games do you roughly ref, like, a year within a season? Well, uh, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Probably close to 100 between, like, high school, college, college club, international, whatever it may be. Um, Especially working, we work the ECAC League, so it's very spread out, and that's, uh, that's actually the... The league I played in, Princeton, was a part of, and Brown, which is where TV played, was a part of. So, you know, we're kind of used to the travel. You get used to it as a player when you're on the bus for seven hours for your game, but uh, it's a little different as, you know, when you're the one driving or you have to get up and go to work the next day and you've been yeah. in the car for that many hours and you're getting older and your body can't adjust as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were pretty much on the road every weekend last season and it, uh, you get used to it. You, you learn to kind of cherish the journey and uh, you meet some really great people along the way. So it's definitely worth it. But, but towards the end of the season, you definitely you realize how much of a toll it's kind of taking on you yeah. and mentally. <laughs> and then you're kind of happy summer rolls around and and then you sit around, don't do much. And then October, like yeah. August, October rolls around and you don't want to go back to the rink. But by the time you're in it, you're kind of back into the groove. Yeah, exactly. You don't referee at all during the summer, do you? Uh, I, I try and get on the ice a bit. Just to yeah. stay. I mean, obviously, with the combine this summer, I tried to do more than normal. Um, but, you know, usually I, I try and take a little bit of a break, but it's hard. You know, you get addicted to something and you just want to be on the ice. So yeah. it's tough to stay away sometimes. Do you have any downtime? I know we're kind of going back to you and American, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like you have any downtime in your life. <laughs> ever, do you ever step back and say, like, I need a day, two, a week sometimes just to not do anything? Um, sometimes I say it, but I don't have time for it. I mean, I think that's kind of how I'm wired is I don't really like to take time off. But, uh, you know, when you start getting sick at the end of the season, you realize, you know, you can only do so much. So I think summer is definitely a good time to recharge and kind of, you know, get back and realize, why, why you're in the rink every single weekend or on the road every weekend. So uh, definitely try to take some time off this summer and support if you can get into full swing. Now, you're, when you're on the ice, you don't have the tallest stature. <laughs> you're, you're, a little, you're, you're a little shorter than most, but how, how do you project? How do you, how do you show that you're in charge? Um, I mean, I think that's definitely something that I've learned how to do. I don't have, you know, just the loudest voice or the strongest personality, but just being confident. Uh, you know, when, when I get on the ice, that's kind of, you know, the place where I feel the most confident. I know um, I can speak with them and I never have to worry about my fundamentals. So it's kind of, you put all of your focus into, into being confident and, you know, making sure the players respect you. So I think it's kind of, you know, something that you learn along the way and you watch other referees and kind of, you know, figure it out for, for yourself, but also, you know, gaining the respect and being around for a little while, it, it makes it easier, definitely. Um, you know, the coaches know you, the girls know you. Uh, it's a little bit tougher when you're thrown into a situation where you don't know the players or it's the NHL guys that you've never seen before. So that, that definitely took some getting used to, but um, yeah, I think you, you adjust and adapt and you kind of figure out how you're going to conduct yourself on ice. So. Yeah. Now, obviously, not every game goes goes the smoothest. 
Has there been a, has there been a couple games that come to mind where you go, what happened? Like, um, where did I go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a particularly memorable one in Kazakhstan. It was actually the gold medal game of a World University Games uh, between Russia and Canada. So it was, it was before the puck even dropped, there was tension. And, you know, you kind of realize when you're losing control of the game. But uh, that was kind of towards the beginning of my career. And, um you know, it, it got really out of hand. The Russian girls probably had three people in the penalty box the whole game and were just throwing water bottles at us. So it was one of those where you're like, get me out of here. But, you know, you have to just <laughs> figure out, <laughs> make sure that everyone survives for all three periods. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are definitely either learning opportunities or things that you just want to black out and move on and forget they ever happened. So... <laughs> Has there ever been a time where you've stepped off the ice and kind of just said, you know what, I can't do this anymore? And because you're just, you're just in the moment where you're like, this really frustrates me. And then you kind of like take a couple of days to say, you know what, like I love hockey too much to quit. Has there ever, ever been a moment where you want to step away, but then change your mind? I don't think so. I mean, there's definitely games where you leave and you're like, I don't know what just happened or they're not happy with your performance and things just didn't go well, but. Um, I don't think I've ever, at least not yet, felt like this is it for me. Um, I love it so much and I love the people that I work with that I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll get to the point where I don't love it as much anymore, but, um, not yet. At least I haven't had that moment. There's no, there's no chance of you quitting anytime soon, is there? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how long these legs can go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. Now, you're one of the first females to do something that's that's never been done. And and is there any advice you want to give to any female out there that's going to watch this? Yeah, I mean, I would say probably enjoy the journey. Um, it's it's so easy to get wrapped up in your goals and making it to a specific tournament or whatever it may be that it's, it's really easy to kind of not relish the journey along the way. So uh, that's something that I definitely have focused on, focused on last year was like, Figuring, like just loving what you're doing at that particular moment and realizing how lucky you are to stay involved in the game that you love and kind of, you know, not that many people get to go out on ice every day and, and do something that they enjoy. So I, I think that's my biggest piece of advice and something that, you know, it's hard to do in the moment, but definitely enjoy the journey and kind of make those memories that you can see. Exactly. I, I, I'm totally on the same page with you on that. Like, there's, there's a lot of days where I look, I'm about to step on the ice for a big game, and I kind of think back, like, there's someone out there that wants my job, or they want it, they would love to be there, and they're not. So that's how I look at it. I, I like to look at it as, if I'm not, if I'm not committed to this, someone else will be. Right. And I'm taking that shot away from them. So I'm totally on the same page with it. <laughs> Cherish the journey. Exactly. So. Looking back, is there anything you'd like to tell your 12-year-old self when you first started? Any any tips you wish you could give yourself? That's hard. That's my embrace the journey piece of advice. Uh, anything you wish you could change? Like, looking back, you've been doing this for, for a little bit now. Anything you wish you could go back and change? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I've been so lucky to to be able to play for as long as I did and then have all these opportunities as a ref. Like, I I wouldn't have stopped playing earlier. I don't think I would have 
started wrapping later. Yeah. No, I have no regrets yet. I'm sure I will at some point. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Um, you did great, I think, and helped me out. But no, it was, it was really cool bringing you on. Thanks for coming, and um, we'll de- we'll probably bring you on for another one someday. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.